Look, guys, I know the pandemic was hard on a lot of us. I get it. I really do. But now it's time to get back to normal. And what a better way to get back to normal than to go back to sporting events, to return to concerts. I mean, I already can't wait to start adding to my bucket list with each of those type of avenues. And what a better way to do it than to go through Megaseats.com. This episode is brought to you by Megaseats.com. And honestly, since the pandemic is over, these are the biggest things that I'm looking forward to. And the best thing about Megaseats actually is that the price that you see when you purchase a ticket for any of those events, that's the price you pay. How many times have we went to other third-party sellers and found out, oh, wow, that's a great price. But then you click on it and then a service fee pops up and then something for like the candy wrapper of something you might buy or maybe the wrapper for a straw is what they're going to charge you extra for because you got to tip the popcorn guy. No, 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 no. That doesn't exist with Mega Seats. You see, at Megaseats.com, the price you see is the price you pay. Unless you use code SSAW Network. That's right. You go to Megaseats.com. You see a concert that's coming up. You click purchase. That's the purchase price that you get. And then you put in the code SSAW Network, and they take 10% off of that. Go to Megaseats.com. Get back to life. Use the code SSAW Network and save 10% in the process. Let's go. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the week one preview episode of the Cover Zero podcast. I'm here. It's me. It's Chase McCoy. You normally hear the man for fantasy, which you are most definitely going to get some of that today. But we're also going to be breaking down the games in detail from those just watching for the pure love of the game. How you doing, bro? I'm doing fantastic, man. I'm just so excited. I mean, Thursday's going to be fantastic. I'm off. Uh, luckily, I lucked into that. So I'm Dude, I'm ecstatic. I can't. I just can't wait. I'm ready. It's 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 so much more different when it's meaningful football that like actually has an impact from now until February when the end of the season occurs and the Super Bowl arrives and all of that. It's just here we go plugging in for another journey. I can't wait. I absolutely cannot wait. And it's it's going to be a lot of fun. So today we have four games to get into to preview. We're going to first start off with a Thursday night game the Cowboys and the Bucks, And then after that, we're going to preview the Sam Darnold revenge game with the Jets and the Panthers. And then moving on into the Steelers and the Bills and rounding it out with the Browns and the Chiefs. We will also be back. The Cover Zero podcast will also be back on Monday morning to recap the first weekend and then also preview the Monday night slate as well. It's football season, bro. You can just like taste it in the air. It's palpable, man. It is. It's so palpable. Mm, cleanses the palate like no other. But to get into the first game, the Cowboys at the Bucks. Tampa opening up as a seven and a half point favorite. And as we record this, it's the 7th of September. The over-under set at 52. Keep in mind, though, a couple of interesting things against the spread in 2020. Dallas was a league low. 5-11 and 11 against the spread in 2020. 
while the Bucks were 0-5 against the spread in primetime games. So if there's any type of carryover from last season into this season as far as betting goes with these two squads, it might be one to avoid. But as we know, every, every single NFL season is a new one, and that's going to be really interesting to look at. I actually do like some of the player props on this game. You, oh, the player prop. What player props are you talking about? Ezekiel Elliott, three and a half receptions. I'm taking the over with the plus money on it. Oh, yeah. I, I would like the over, too. Plus, I think... plus 112. And in the four games with Dak last year, mm-hmm. it was three, six, eight, eight. Okay. And I mean, I think if, if, if Dallas is to have any chance in this game, it's going to be through the air. It, exactly. Especially with it being Tampa Bay minus seven and a half favorites and it's 52 over under. You know, they're like, the game script is going to be passing the ball for uh, Dallas. Like It has to be. Yeah. It has to be. And that's what everyone's going to tune in for because I think a lot of people don't maybe forget because it was so long ago and the thing that, that leaves the impact in your memory bank is Dak getting hurt and how bad the Cowboys offense looked after that. But prior to him getting hurt, that man was on a historic pace. His pace was set for a 6,760-yard passing game season, passing season. And 16 games. <laughs> In 16 games, and there's 17 of them this year. And so that would have easily eclipsed Peyton Manning's, like I think it was just under 5,500 yards that he set when he was with the Broncos in 2013. And this, this Cowboys offense has a receiving core that might only be rivaled by a few teams in the NFL. One of them that comes to mind is the Buccaneers receiving core with having Mike Evans, Antonio Brown, Chris Godwin. But the, all the firepower is there. You get CeeDee Lamb in his second year. Mari Cooper as well, and Michael Gallup. From a fantasy perspective, bro, which arsenal of receivers would you prefer to have going into this game? The Bucks, without a doubt. And that's because each one of those wide receivers on the Bucks has been a top five wide receiver at any given point in their career, where you can't really say the same for Amari Cooper. CeeDee Lamb's still an unknown. I mean, it's we all love what we saw out of CeeDee Lamb, and we all expect great things out of him. And then Michael Gallup, he just has, doesn't touch the same tier as any of the or any of the uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers wide receivers at all. So don't get me wrong, Dallas has an elite wide receiver core, but it is not like, in my opinion, it's not Hall of Fame worthy. I mean, uh, you got Mike Evans who set the record for the most consecutive thousand yard seasons to start a career. You got Godwin who has finished as a top two wide receiver uh, in uh, PPR formats. And then you got Antonio Brown, who has been the number one wide receiver before and has been a multiple top five wide receiver throughout his career. And there is word and reports that he was possibly playing injured last year, and he did look a little slower. He just wasn't moving the same. I think something to look out for in this game specifically is going to be just if Antonio Brown is able to be that lid lifter and just take the top off of the defense like we know him to do so many times, and he was with Pittsburgh. But like outside of from the fantasy perspective, the one, well, I mean, this also does brush up against fantasy as well. One of the things that I'm going to be looking for in this game is the use of Giovanni Bernard in the passing game for Tampa Bay. Bruce Arians' offense has always been, yes, no risk it, no biscuit. That is the goal, basically meaning we want a touchdown, a chunk play, or a check down. And last season, in 2020, the Bucks running back core had a collective drop percentage of 16%. I mean, it was absolutely nuts. Leonard Fournette led the league in terms of drop rate that he had last year. He was the only one to qualify out of total, total targets. But 
in terms of percentage, he wasn't even the worst on his team. So that's why this team went out this year and snagged someone like Giovanni Bernard. What do you think of Giovanni Bernard in a cash game or like a day, not a cash game, but maybe like, you know, like a daily fantasy play as far as he goes? I don't think he's going to be too high owned. Are you targeting him in those? I, I would like Giovanni Bernard in day, daily or even in season long because I think he's a great flex option in season long. But in daily, he's going to get peppered with PPR. And this may, be, I know a lot of people have a bad taste when it comes to this running back, Andre Ellington. But remember in 2014, Andre Ellington with Bruce Arians. 660 yards, three touchdowns, 46 receptions, 395 yards, and two receiving touchdowns. Doesn't sound like great numbers, but that's a top 24 RB. And Mm -hmm. at any given point that season, he was just a plug and play running back for you. Just, I mean, he wasn't efficient, but he was just there in PPR being annoying for the teams that didn't pick him up off waivers. That's a very good point. Last year, Bucks running backs were targeted 100 times between all four of them. Uh, being Keyshawn Vaughn, the one target that went to Kenyon Barner, and then Ronald Jones, as well as Leonard Fournette. And Tom Brady going against those cover three defenses, which is the new defensive coordinator for Dallas, Dan Quinn coming in. That's what he's been known to run. But as the NFL has evolved, they found ways to try to exploit that defense and the cover three tendencies and the rules behind it. And when he saw his success against Seattle, during the 28-3 comeback, Dan Quinn was the head coach. In a lot of those games, specifically against Seattle, Shane Vereen had 11 grabs. Specifically against Atlanta, James White was the one that Tom Brady gave his MVP earnings to because that man was all over the place. So I really like Giovanni Bernard in a fantasy perspective and just from you know watching this game as someone to be an unsung difference maker. So here's my thing about uh, Giovanni Bernard when connecting it to James White, especially when you touched on that key stat of 100 total reset or targets for running backs. I think Giovanni Bernard has 100 targets this year. I mean, 90 to 100 is why yeah, I'm with I, you. And let's look at James White. The last two years of Tom Brady, 123, or heck, let's go last four years 86 targets, 72 targets, 123 targets, and 95 targets. Mm-hmm. And Giovanni Beast Bernard him, is bro. probably. Dude, Giovanni Bernard, especially, I mean, I'm sure everybody's done drafting, but if you got a draft, if you can snag him in the eighth, ninth round when things, like when you have that really bad running back tier drop off, like when you're looking at, you know, like the difference between Darrell Williams and everybody like that, just snag up Giovanni Bernard. I don't care if you're reaching at that point, as long as there's not a wide receiver that you view better than him, or maybe you went wide receiver heavy to start off the draft and you just need any type of flex RB, snag him. I'm telling you, he's going to. There's going to be weeks he's probably going to be, you know, nine to 10 points. But then there's going to be other weeks where he's probably going to catch nine to 10 balls with a touchdown and maybe, you know, 43 yards on the ground. He's just going to be there annoying defenses. I love it. I loved it. I snagged him in my 14 team league in which I have. I locked up the Rams backfield with Sonny Michelle and Daryl Henderson in the middle rounds and started off my draft with Dalvin Cook and then paired that up with Robert Woods. Amari Cooper, even snagged Jerry Judy in a 14-teamer. So, yeah, I can just sit there and play the matchups while I also have Patrick Mahomes slinging the rock as my QB. So, yeah, Gio Bernard in the 10th of a 14-team league was very, very, very nice. The 9th or 10th round, and you got him in the 10th round. Value. And, I mean, he's going to have a high catch percentage. He's going to be the safety valve. When people are covered, he's going to have a you know a dump off, and you got to look at that wide receiver core they're not going to respect the running backs. 
or they're going to respect the wide receivers and they're going to give so much cushion mm-hmm. for a PPR running back. Absolutely. They'll, they'll t- let him take those six, seven yard plays. Maybe we've, it's even a three, three yard reception. Okay. Well, you know what? In PPR, that's 1.3 points. That's what I see. Mm-hmm. And you know what? I'll take it every yeah. reception. Oh, absolutely. That's why I love my PPR leagues. Looking at the inactives, the notable ones, at least in this game, Dallas is going to be without Zach Martin. He is a COVID scratch. Kelvin Joseph, the second-round rookie that Dallas took, which was a position of need last year as their secondary was very bad, he is also inactive as well. The only inactive for Tampa Bay is the strong safety Jordan Whitehead, who's a rotational player. So most teams are, or both squads, are generally coming into this game healthy. Now, from a non-fantasy perspective, there's two storylines that I think are going to be spawned out of this. One, this is going to set up the trajectory of Dak Prescott and his comeback player of the year campaign. The other one being Tom Brady and his MVP at 79 years old campaign or however old he is right now. Do you think that either, which one of those two would you assume right now, as we're looking at the season about to start, is more likely to happen? You have to say Tom Brady, but I'm putting my money on Dak Prescott, and I actually have a bet in on Dak Prescott. It's only a $10 bet, but I mean, it's plus 1700 to one. So seven or well, you got plus seventeen hundred. So there's a hundred and seventy bucks I'm going to win off of ten bucks for betting on Dak Prescott. So to win the MVP. Oh, to win the MVP. Yeah. It, so if I he just, wins the MVP, he has to be comeback player of the year. I would assume. Oh no, he's going to be comeback player of the year. I unless he gets hurt again, he's going to be comeback player of the year. Okay. He's just too consistent. The guy, even in fantasy, like he's just he's just consistent. It's one of those things. He's going to pass for a lot. That's because they have no defense. That's because they have to, and that's not a bad thing for Dak. I mean, there's going to be records that are going to be shattered all over the all over the season this year because of the 17 game season. So, you know, mm-hmm. things are going to be crazy. But I think Dak's in line to you know make a big difference on a lot of those uh, records. I Absolutely. think he could go for passing yards. I think it's God. It hurts so much to say all this. <laughs> <laughs> it's just real look it's just real football we're going to enjoy it watching it you don't want him to go into i mean if dak went through i wouldn't be mad at dak i just don't want to hear cowboys fans like you would as well you know what i mean <laughs> no no for real he has all the opportunity he has all the weapons the offensive line just needs to hold up mm-hmm. you know so yeah, I, I actually do have that bet for dak prescott to win the mvp just because the plus money that's on it uh it just why not yeah. him at that point you know why not him at that point what is your score prediction for this game, and how do you think it plays out? Oh, I, I do think Tampa Bay wins. I do think it's uh, – I'll take Dallas plus seven and a half because I, I think it's going to be closer. I think. Oh, you think Dallas covers. Okay. I do think Dallas covers. Uh, you know, yeah, Tampa Bay has a good defense. I, I'll give them that. But there's – Dallas's offense is just too respectable. You got Zeke, which is one of the best running backs in the league. And even against tough defenses, this guy can still – put a number on tough defenses. If you've ever watched this guy, especially when it's like a third and three, and I hate this, he would be third and three and they like go up the middle with him and he gets he's forward. getting hit. He's getting hit right at the line of scrimmage and like, or even behind the line of scrimmage. And he's still getting four yards. And I'm just like, God, I hate this guy. Just get him off the field. You know, like he, he is the pro I would still say like last year, I mean, throw do whatever you want with last year, but from what we have seen from Zeke Elliott as a running back in the NFL, I don't know if there's anybody else who falls forward better than him. Frank Gore, had a career that lasted longer than my lifetime, basically doing exactly that. And I think Zeke right now, he offers much more than what we remember of Frank Gore, but you're right. 
that dude gets just what is needed when it's needed so well. And, and the way he falls forward, like you were pointing out, it's not that he falls forward to try and reach for the line. He is falling forward once he gets the line after being hit. So, I mean, you got his whole entire body length at that point getting those extra yards, you know? Mm -hmm. It's ridiculous. He's, he's so good at, like, getting that extra step when, like, contact is there and, like, contorting his body to get another leg out, putting his weight where it needs to be, and then using gravity, even though these massive super athletes are making him defy it, but it doesn't matter. The dude just, he gets it done. And I'm really excited to see that because a lot of people have talked about, like, granted, we're not, obviously, you and me are not Cowboys fans, but a lot of people have always talked about when Zeke was there behind that amazing, amazingly assembled line of first-round pick after first-round pick after first-round pick. This is a year we're going to, I think, if Zeke can also stay himself and Dak can also stay himself, that you're going to see this guy with a good offensive line, but not the best, still produce. No, I completely agree. And, and fantasy-wise, He's always, I think, aside from one year, he's always been a top 10 wide receiver or running back. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's just, he's just always going to do it. And the thing is, is what he didn't have in the beginning of his career was being a good PPR running back. But he has a season with a 77 catch season. It's right. possible. He has hands. They're just, I mean, he's going to be that guy. It's going to be short area yardage, you know. I mean, as Anthony Lynn says, extended runs, you know, they're going to dump it off and he's going to, take it and he can do mm -hmm. it and the thing is it's like you said he just drives through people and defies gravity like it's one of those things like nope i should be going down but somehow i'm still going forward and taking you with me mm -hmm. yeah i'm with you on the bucks winning however i don't have them covering i got a score of bucks 36 cowboys 27 and the primary reason i just i think that there is just there's just too much there, there, Tom Brady is never a guy to be satisfied. Obviously, so, here he is at this age right now, still killing, right? And Bruce Arians, no risk it, no biscuit, not satisfied as well. 36 points, I think, is what they're going to put up. And the Dallas Cowboy defense last year was tissue paper. I don't necessarily think they're going to be that. Their run defense, I think, was worse than their pass defense, at least once the season ended. They do have an onslaught of linebackers. Dan Quinn brought in Keanu Neal, who was previously a Falcon when he was there, was a strong safety, a bigger guy, kind of that Cam Chancellor role, so still spent a lot of time at linebacker depth playing in the box. And they have him penciled in as the starting Mike. So we could see some wonky formations where they don't, where, the, where their sub package, I guess, it wouldn't be a sub package, but where they bring in like four linebackers essentially to be on the field at the same time. No, like maybe I, Micah Parsons dropped in as an edge rusher. You know what I mean? I, I actually. When Micah Parsons, I always looked at him more as an edge rusher. Uh, mm -hmm. Not, that, I mean, he still has that you know great linebacker speed. But when I actually saw them make that signing with Keanu Neal and then draft Micah Parsons and everything like that, I was like, are they going to go to a three four? Because you got uh, LV eight or Leighton Vanderesh. Leighton Vanderesh still got Jalen Smith. You still got Jalen Smith. You still got, or now you have Keanu Neal that you switched to linebacker and then mm -hmm. you draft Micah Parsons. And I was just like, they like, also who? drafted Jabril Cox. <laughs> oh my, like so. They have so they had they drafted Bradley and A last year to Utah. They have literally on this roster ten linebackers. So I heard that they're getting uh that there is like dis, like and this is just what somebody was telling me that there's a little bit of discord about the Jalen Smith contract and that they may be moving on from Leighton Vander Esch after this year. 
They could be, man. It's it's so it's so. This is just the NFL, man. Why they say it stands for not for long because it was just a couple of years ago when we did a top ten preview and we had Jalen Smith as the sixth best linebacker in the league. And last year he just looked like a different guy. I don't know what it was. He was he was jumping awkwardly in between gaps. I don't know if he was overthinking it. I I, I don't so know. I have, a, I have a question for you, and I've, I've kind of noticed this because every linebacker I ever like, after they get paid, it just seems like they're, they become this different type of linebacker that's like, oh, what happened to you being so good? What happened to you being so great in coverage? Now you're like you're you're literally a handicap on defense for coverage, you know, like, you know, it, I think that has to be like individually specific. There's a lot of, there's the whole narrative of this player has been paid. And now that he's been paid, he is going to get lazy. I, I've seen examples of both. Yeah. I'm worried about Darius Leonard this year. <laughs> yeah. I, 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 I'm not even a Colts fan, but I'm just sitting there. Like I was like, IDP wise, I was like, I love, I've always loved Darius Leonard and now he's got paid. So what happens now? Oh, do I got to drop him and look for somebody else? <laughs> that's right. You're a Philly fan, right? Yeah, I'm an Eagles fan. Yeah, you're a Philly fan. That's right. That's right. That's right. Yeah. They didn't have anybody to pay this offseason. I'm sorry. Bro. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. No, it's good. It's good. So yeah. I, I'm I'm not a Howie Roseman fan, and I've been saying this for three years now. Three years, mm-hmm. and I don't care who gives me flack on it. There's been some terrible decision-making by Howie Roseman. It, there's it just, is. There's been opportunities where we could have gotten better in certain areas, and then opportunities where I get the idea his concept of like drafting Andre Dillard two years ago, you know. Sure. But for me, you don't spend a first, you don't trade up in the first round to draft a first round talent of anything unless you expect them to be able to start that year or contribute that year. So trading up for Andre Dillard, who they came out and said, "Oh no, he's going to sit for a year and learn behind Jason Peters," you do that with a second round pick, a third round pick. You don't. You don't trade you don't do up in first. the first round pick for somebody you that you want to sit for sit for a year. That oh my! And then Andre oh, can't yeah. stay healthy. Anyway, we'll we'll cover the Eagles one of these weekends when you're <laughs> no. on. No, you good? You good? Hey, you talking to look me? Josiah was here. My guy and the rest of the crew is here. This is tangents are embraced on this show. Don't yeah. don't apologize. You good? But uh, now we will move on to stay on schedule to the Jets at the Panthers. This is a game I think that a lot of people may not necessarily have on their radar because overall we don't have the biggest expectations for either of these ball clubs. And I think that's that's a fair point. I mean, I don't have them going too far. I think the Jets are going to be one of the bottom five teams in the league. The Panthers are going to be, you know, competitive, kind of like they were last year. But if you look back on their whole entire season, we're talking about a ball club that's got below seven wins or some, something like that. So as as we look on it, this is the Sam Darnold revenge game back in April. He was traded for a sixth round pick in this most recent draft, as well as a fourth and second rounder in 2022 to the team that he is going to square off against for his first home game in Carolina. The Jets right now are favored plus four and a half. The over under sitting at forty five and a half. I have Carolina favored. You have Carolina favored? Yeah, at minus. Five. Oh yeah, no, no. I, I sorry, I got. I, I read the pluses and minus. My bad. <laughs> Looking at the notes in the corner of my eye. Carolina favored by four and a half over under at forty five and a half. You're forty five and a half over under, right? Yep. Yep, yep, yep. And then Carolina last year was nine and seven against the spread in twenty twenty. So pretty solid picking them whenever they were they were sitting here like this. Darnold is entering his fourth season. 
This is going to be uh, Zach Wilson's first game. Yet and still, these two guys are separated by basically two years exactly. We are looking at a matchup of two of the three youngest teams in the entire league. And it almost seems like it almost seems like the Jets right now are in some ways where the Panthers were last year. In the sense that the Jets are bringing in their quarterback with Zach Wilson, right? And they they invested all of this this capital on offense through the draft, grabbing Elijah Vera Tucker, snagging Elijah Moore as well. They went Makai Becton last year. They grabbed Zach Wilson, of course, just like I said. They signed Corey Davis in free agency. They signed Tevin Coleman. They're, they're, whatever you think about those players, nonetheless, this is where their focus has been to improve. And I think that's right because they, they, you know, there was a good chance they didn't give Sam Darnold the best reason to succeed. Most of that was having Adam Gase as a head coach. <laughs> now they get rid of that, and they bring in Robert Sala. I was actually going to say almost exactly what you just said because they never gave Sam Darnold the chance to succeed. They didn't bring in anybody aside from Levy and Bell, and they didn't have an O-line. They never really addressed the O-line when Sam Darnold was there. And they, they just, they kind of like the only person I feel like probably had, well, no, he hasn't had this bad of a shake, but I was going to reference Josh Rosen. He had a terrible shake. He had a terrible <laughs> shake. I uh, think he had a worse shake than Darnold. I think he probably, yeah, he, he's had like one of the <laughs> worst first overall picks he, ever. <laughs> He might be broken. Like, like I'm a, I'm a shout out to Joey Harrington. Love the dude. You know what I mean? It, it just reminds me of that scenario. And Joey, I've talked to him before. He goes to the same barbershop I do. Shout out Blake Jackson, Rook's Barbershop. And I've talked to Joey about this. And he will never, ever even give an inkling of that they didn't do that. You know, and I don't, I don't want to sit here and say what the man really feels because I don't know. I'm not him. But Joey will never, ever, ever do that. You know? class act dude but hey sitting where i'm sitting from that's what happened <laughs> just like you're saying about josh yeah. rosen and sam darnold so do you think that darnold is set up better with the panthers and matt rule and what they're building over there in carolina uh, undoubtedly expect like so they their wide receiver core is a sneaky great wide receiver core you got dj Moore, you got robbie anderson who has a rapport with sam darnold and then you also have terrace marshall who i thought was a great steal of the draft so i was like this guy yes uh, Jamar Chase, who's a year removed, was on the same team and everything like that. But Terrace Marshall's not a bad wide receiver. Like, the guy is good. And I feel like you kind of seen what they could do just based off of the preseason, off of the limited play that you got, especially with DJ Moore and uh, Sam Darnold. Clearly, DJ Moore is the best wide receiver Sam Darnold's ever had, right off right off the gate. Uh, hmm. And then you get Christian McCaffrey. Damn, when you say that, it's like, that's, I never even thought about that, but that's true. And, and I mean, and it's no slight at DJ Moore. DJ Moore is, you know, top. Probably a top fifteen no, wide receiver. He's good. I mean, yeah, yeah. The guy, I think he's had uh, in three years. He's uh, had back to back thousand yard seasons. His touchdowns no, aren't always you. there, but I'm just saying, like, you're finally giving him a chance because before this, again, Sam Darnold's best wide receiver at that point was Robbie Anderson, and that was Robbie Anderson before he started breaking out. And Robbie Anderson in an Adam Gase offense, as opposed to a Matt Rule offense, because when we saw Robbie Anderson in an in a Adam Gase offense, he was just a deep ball guy. When we saw yeah. him in the Matt Rule offense, he was getting money all over the field. And slants, was, you know, like slants, everything. drags, everything. You're just using his his speed the right way as opposed to this guy is fast, so therefore I'll send him on nine routes all day long. Exactly. like And the thing, and like exactly what you said, he was using his speed to his strength on 
all his routes. He had the root running ability. I mean, he's no Steve Smith by any means, but he had the root running ability to be able to do all those things. So that's, you know, I'm all for it. I love how Matt Rules kind of evolved his team. I mean, I think they could be a good team, and I actually think Carolina decisively wins this game. You got a rookie. Decisively? Yeah. I, I think it, I, I think they won by at least two scores. Do you have Carolina en route to victory? Yeah, I do. Sorry, I was just kind of like route. I always say route. I wonder where is that? A, is that a Kansas City thing? I know it's where you're from. Uh, I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> That's a. I don't know. Well, okay, so like what? Like on the top of your house, is that a roof or a roof? That's a roof. Okay. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, like so just, just over here. I'm uh, just like I've heard Canadians say that, you know, but I know you're you're further away from Canada than me out here in Portland, Oregon. Yeah. So <laughs> I, I do say sorry a lot, so <laughs> uh Well, A, let's get back on our yeah. <laughs> get back uh, on our our donkey. Yeah. <laughs> uh but no, I'm I'm with you, man. Like like Matt Rule, like and this this setup here, I still think he has the same issue though. I still think he has is he being Sam Darnold still has the same issue of not having an offensive line that is there for him. You have Trey Turner on the right side playing right tackle, or not Trey Turner. You have uh, uh, Mouton Taylor Mouton playing right tackle. Trey Turner went on to another team, and other than that, I don't really know what's there to keep him upright. And that's the same McCaffrey. problem. I mean, that is, saying, it, that is it right there. A better coach to get rid of the ball quicker and Christian McCaffrey. You're right. I mean, Christian McCaffrey's a cheat code. So, uh, yeah, I'm going to I'm gonna go after the quarterback. Oh, wait, he just dumped it off to Christian McCaffrey who took it 89 yards for a touchdown. Well, that yeah. sucks. Yeah. Like, I'm, I'm not, and a, Yeah, and a better – no, you're right. I mean, and a better coach to have him get rid of the ball quicker and things like that. And and that might be how he starts him off. He might start him off. And, I mean, even, even if you watch the preseason, that, like, that one game uh, Sam Darnold had – uh, with DJ Moore, I think he went what like ten of eleven or something like that. Uh, mm-hmm. He had he had a good game, whatever it was. He had a really good game. But if you looked at all the passes, especially the like DJ Moore, I think DJ Moore was like five for six or six for six. But they were all you know short area yards. You know not, he wasn't really taking a lot of shots. But I think it's to try and like, hey, we're gonna work on getting the ball out of your hands quick. And mm-hmm. then as you start getting comfortable behind our offensive line, you know maybe the offensive line starts clicking later in the year. That's when we're going to be able to take more shots where, you know, we're going to build it to your strengths and then be able to branch off from that. Yeah, I, I do think that this game that Sam Darnold looks better than what we have seen in at least recent memory, because what we've seen in recent memory is not very good. And that Matt Rule will be able to set him up better for success. I think a lot more is in place from a foundational perspective. I also think that we see a step forward from this Carolina defense last season. We were looking at a defense that started more rookies by far than any other team in the league. At one point, over half of that defense starting games for a majority of the season was rookies. There was six of them out there. Your Yido, your Yeter Grossmas Matos, your your Derek Browns, your Jeremy Chins. And all those guys were impact level type of players. But I love year. me Jeremy Chin. That oh, God. bro. I mean, come God. on, that dude his athletics scores just off the charts. <laughs> He, he last year he they what I love what they did and I was talking about this when we previewed our and when we previewed this division we previewed the NFC South is that when they brought him in he he had his own coach because a lot of guys you know you have your position coach you have your head coach okay your head coach is kind of the architect of the whole thing you have your defensive coordinator that picks his unit and then you have the position coach that that refines everything 
from the top on down to the players directly. But Jeremy Chin had his own coach because that guy one on a certain play would be a safety. That guy on another play was going to be a linebacker. That guy on another play was going to be a slot corner. They wanted him to blitz. They wanted him in the box. They wanted him in man. They wanted him in zone. They wanted him in deep zone. There was so many things he did. And I think being a rookie in a season such as the COVID one that we are coming off of did so well doing all of that at the NFL level. And now that he gets an offseason, now he gets another year under his belt and they still have that type of infrastructure for him. If he's able to do all of that, being leading the all of rookies in the NFL in tackles with 116 in 2020, what's he going to do in 2021? That's Especially scary, considering man. they used a first-round pick on a corner as well, right? I'm, yeah. I'm, I love the dude, man. I'm with you on that. He, he's one of my favorite targets in IDP leagues. So looking at that last preseason game, and I know this is preseason, but Sam and Darnold only had one pass over 11 yards, and that was 18 yards to DJ Moore, and I want to say it was like seven yards after the catch. Nice. So nice. Yeah. And DJ Moore was six for six, uh, 48 yards. So you kind of okay. look at it. And again, as preseason, maybe they were just kind of tempering expectations, you know, like let's just get your arm loose a little bit. But they only took one deep shot that game. Yeah. With, with Sam Darnold. So, mm -hmm. yeah. I mean, knowing the line that's out there, I get it. All right. Let's just give him one of these. Let's just yep. give him a little drink and then let's take him off. Yep. Yeah, I get it 100%. But, I mean, obviously, I'm going to start Christian McCaffrey and DJ Moore. Uh, You're starting Christian McCaffrey this week, bro? Why? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, man. I, I, something about 35 points or something the guy can score. I mean, he's, I think you he's know, done it once before. The focal point of an offense. Yeah. Catches everything, uh, runs everything. But in DFS, though, I like Sam Darnold. You like Sam Revenge Darnold in game, DFS. You know, Interesting. Why is that? You know, it's it's one of those things. You know, it's not going to be a high, a high play. You know, you're going to get low ownership on him. I mean, it's always the guys when you're looking in those tournaments that you never expect to have those blowout games. Heck, I think it was like two years ago, uh, CJ and I, were we always bounce, uh, you know, DFS plays off of each other. And we were just going back and forth, back and forth. And one of our plays was we started uh, Baker Mayfield after he had been struggling like the end. Or no, it was Mitch Trubisky after he had been struggling like the entire season. Like, you know what, we're going Mitch Trubisky. And it was against, it was against a good defense, too, at the time. Mm -hmm. And we started Mitch Trubisky and I want to say it, uh, like Allen Robinson and uh, Tariq Cohen or something like that. And they balled out like just ridiculous. We didn't get the rest of our lineup right, but they, it was just one of those things. But the winning lineup that week actually had uh, Mitch Trubisky as a quarterback. It's always those guys that you never expect that are going to set right. your, t your tournament team apart. And I think Sam Darnold in a tournament is not a bad play. He's nope. very low. He's going to be very low owned. I mean, but he has all the weapons, and it's going to be against a team that no one has confidence in. Like, no offense to Zach Wilson or anything like that. They may have made a bunch of offensive moves, but I just don't see that defense being anything. Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, I mean, Carl Lawson, their best defensive player, he's unfortunately had an Achilles injury, so he's out for the whole entire year. What do you think about, because I know you and me, as far as like fantasy goes for season long, are defensive streamers for the most part. What do you think about a Carolina defense that has someone like Brian Burns, who I'm also expecting? I actually like him better than Jeremy Chin personally, Ooh. just because I think Brian Burns is about to ascend into second team all pro type of stratosphere this year with just his bend. I don't think there's anybody in the NFL. He reminds me of a young Von Miller, I should say. Oh, wow. Right? As, 
as far as how he is on the edge and his ghost move where he acts like he's going to show his hands and he pulls them away and then comes with that Gumby type of inside shoulder dip. You know, maybe yeah, watch I'm the thinking, film when I get off here. Bro, check it out. You, you can almost even just, if you go to Twitter, Brian Burns ghost move, rabbit hole. You're welcome. Like, I mean, it's, rabbit it's, hole. it's, it's, it's a rabbit hole. You, you will get, you'll, you'll go oh. down it. Yeah. Follow the white ghost rabbit. Move. Yeah. Right. Brian Burns, just Brian Burns ghost move. That's all you got to look at. And it's, it's, it's just, there's a ton of plays that you'll, you'll see there. It's like where he acts like he's going to hit you with his arms. So the tackles brace for it and they put their arms high and then his shoulder gets down below their rib cage and he just zoop, is right around them. It's like, it's like a feint in boxing or an MMA, get their hands up, stack them up and then just straight body shot. Nice. Nice. I, nice, I don't know. Nice reference. Hey, Hey, I, I love my MMA and. The Diaz brothers, they do what they call these uh, like eight and nine punch combos, but they're like little pitter patters up in the air, like not even touching you, but it gets these people to get their hands up and like covering their face. And then they just load up on this straight right to the stomach and like just collapse people. I mean, it's not knockout power, but it's one of those things like that shit eat it, eats at you. Oh, yeah. I, yeah. Body shots, bro. Man, we got we got a we got a uh, well, it's a wrestling podcast, but we got another one you could share that on because I know that's a lot of your background. Yeah. Brian Burns ghost move. And. The question with, with the defensive, you know, streaming the defense, Makai Becton, the, the behemoth left tackle for the Jets, is in the concussion protocol. And it's not 100% that he's going to play as we record this on the night of September 6th. So September 7th. September 7th, my bad. September 7th. Uh, it, it's up in the air whether or not he's going to play come Sunday. So if he's out, what do you think about the Panthers as far as a defensive streaming team going against a rookie quarterback and a first-year head coach. So I didn't even know that Makai Becton was in the concussion protocol. And in the last round of my draft uh, for my home league, I drafted Carolina to start week one. There you go. So, again, you go. stream. And here, here, if you want to talk about defenses, uh, sure. beat the waiver wire, everybody. Pick up Cleveland Browns. They're going to be on the waiver wire because week one they're facing Kansas City. So pick them up. Because Cleveland Browns after, and this is after uh, uh, week one against the Chiefs. And this is one of my favorite things to do is beat the waiver wire. Houston, Chicago, Minnesota. Minnesota is going to be a tough one. But then, you know, you got Houston, Chicago right there. That's going to be two easy matchups. And then by that point, we have three weeks of data that we're going to be able to look at to see, okay, how good is uh, Minnesota right now? And then how good is the Chargers doing? Justin Herbert and a sophomore, is he taking a slump, you know? You get to start playing things after that, and you get to see how good maybe the Browns are doing. Maybe they become a top five defense because, let's face it, they got a good defense. So beat the waiver yeah. wire and stash them before uh, Sunday. So then that way, I mean, if you got somebody that you can put on IR, put them on IR, pick up the Browns defense. Nice. Nice. I like it. Beat the waiver wire. That's the way to do it. Overall, final score in this game, I actually have the Jets covering because of that hook. <laughs> I actually got the Jets covering. I got it a four-point Panthers victory. I don't know if I, I wouldn't bet on it. I would not bet on it. I'll tell you that much. But if I'm sitting here predicting the score, I got Panthers 24, Jets 20. I could see something like a late score. They're not going to pull Zach Wilson out of it. They want him to get his reps. And then maybe they at least get in a late position to, to cover that. I ultimately think the reason why is that just I feel like this Jets team is, in, is on the start of their rebuild. And I feel like this Panthers team is in the second stage of it right now. This is where they, okay, they took their lumps last year. 
they maybe didn't have their quarterback for the future with Teddy Bridgewater, obviously, so they brought in Sam Darnold. You give Sam Darnold his fresh start, again, still only 24 years old. You get a healthy Christian McCaffrey. You get a defense that you spent nothing but nine of your last, of, of nine draft picks from 2020 to your first one in 2021 that you invested in it. You brought in free agents such as Hassan Reddick to bolster the pass rush. So, yeah, I, I think the Panthers are just a better team this year. They're further into, into their identity. Give me the Panthers 24 over the Jets, who scored 20. So I'm actually taking Carolina to cover, and I'm actually having them covered decisively uh, 24 to 10. Ooh, only 10. Yeah. It's, 10, okay. I, I'm just saying it's, it's one of those things. I could see Carolina or the Jets scoring 14, but I think it's in between 10 and 14 points that they score. All right. I just, I just, I just don't see it yet. Like, again, we've seen what the Jets have done in the past. I know it's a new regime, you know, new quarterback, new offense, whole nine yards. I, I'm not buying it yet. I got to see okay. it before I buy it. Got to see it before you buy it. That makes sense. That makes sense. Well, that is halfway through our week one previews. Man, it just sounds so good to say that. It sounds so good to say that. Week one previews. We will be returning shortly after you hear from our new sponsor. What's up, guys? It's Jordan. And there's two things that I have to drink every day. And no, one of them is not craft beer, but that's water and coffee. Every morning I have to have a cup of coffee. This episode is brought to you by IamWiseCoffeeCompany.com. I tried the Caramel Trust, the Morning Equity, and the one thing that stands out most to me about both of them is the quality. Wake up in the morning, turn on a game, fire up some breakfast, and pour yourself a cup of I Am Wise Coffee. Go to IamWiseCoffeeCo.com, enter in the promo code COVERZERO, save yourself 10%. And the quality will be there. Guaranteed. And we're back here on the Cover Zero podcast. It's Jordan. It's Chase. Covering everything from real football to fantasy, DFS, giving you all your needs, and also sprinkling in some MMA references. I love it. Love it. I love it. But we're going to go into one that I think is going to be a nice fight in and of itself. And I don't mean any type of helmet smashing when I refer to the Steelers in this one. But we got Steelers going to Buffalo, a matchup of two AFC heavyweights from last year, one being a division winner with the Bills and the Steelers, who I think are in for. Let me just say a season that Pittsburgh fans are not used to with having Mike. Tomlin at the helm. Nonetheless, the Steelers open this game. What do you have it as? A six and a half? Steelers plus six and a half? Steelers are plus six and a half on 48 and a half over under. Yep, 48 and a half over under. I I think I like the Bills to cover that easily. Ah, man. This one's a much tougher for me, and it's a game that I'm staying away from just because, you know, Big Ben. May maybe better, uh, plus the offense. God, you just got so many weapons. The only thing is, is the Pittsburgh offensive line. Man, I'm I'm really nervous about it. So it's a game like betting wise, I am just staying off the board entirely from. I think I might 
I don't know. Like, cause it, my, my fantasy brain says kind of the reason why you would stay away. But if I were going to bet, there is reason why I think this game is like pretty enticing because I think it's going to be, I think it's going to be very close. And I honestly even have the bills winning. So if I have the bills winning, why would I not think they can't cover that six and a half? But I don't know. The, the reason why I look at it like this, this bills defense is a team that in terms of like, how they performed against fantasy quarterbacks last year was one of the better ones. And it had always been for so long up in Buffalo. If they could ever get an offense that would be able to match what their defense did for time and time again, since prior to last year, when Sean McDermott took the reins over for that team, they just needed an offense last year. They got that offense, but the defense took a step back. And maybe this is a year where I still think that Josh Allen and that offense is due for some regression because I've said it many times on this podcast that improvement and progression is never linear. You don't just get better every year. It just doesn't work that way. Maybe you go down a little bit, and then you rise a little bit, et cetera, et cetera. And I think that's in, in due for, for the Bills. And if the Steelers are to have any chance with competing with this team, it's going to be a shootout. From a fantasy perspective, that's why my DFS play over Sam Darnold is Ben Roethlisberger this week oh no I I just think there's not gonna be a lot of people playing him and they're gonna have to put it on him I completely agree uh Big Ben does have that upside as well uh I think there might be more ownership on Big Ben than there would be Sam Darnold though I hear that I hear that big time overall though when I'm looking at these two teams honestly I like I like this Bill's offense and Stefan Diggs, if you were able to snag him in leagues this year, congratulations. Last season, it's, I mean, that's not even a big statement because he honestly, he led all receivers in yards last season. He got that title. And I remember when this Bills team lost to the Chiefs in the AFC title game. He sat on the field and he wanted to watch them celebrate. He really did. And it was, it was something that he took to his training. And he said he's going to let that sink in his head. And I remember last year, there were a couple of fantasy experts who said to avoid Stephon Diggs because, oh, he's going to go over to Buffalo and he's going to be the only person who has the target on him. And so they're going to cover him. Yeah, well, look what happened. But the leap that we saw Josh Allen take from 2019 to 2020 was very catastrophic. He worked on his throwing motion. I'll give him that credit. He had a much better sense of the pocket, and he was able to diagnose defenses better. I still he, think that resumes, but I don't think he has as good a season as he did last year. I just don't. I don't, I don't think he has as good a season as he did last year either. Uh, Fantasy-wise, I still think he's a top five uh, quarterback. For sure. However, Josh Allen, you got to get the guy on his rookie year. Look what who he was throwing to. I mean, literal, like, just guys on other teams that would just be, you know, third and fourth stringers. Uh, for sure. And so getting Stefan Diggs was the thing that really changed it. And Stefan Diggs finally getting somebody who was willing to throw him the ball. Because for, for some reason, Kirk Cousins would just ghost him for a game. You know, like, just like, oh, three targets. I'll, 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 I'll give it. I'll give that to Kurt for the majority of Diggs' career. I'll give you that for the majority of his career. His last season in Minnesota, he actually, like, was going deep for him. And I think the other thing about that was how Mike Zimmer wanted to run that offense. But... So just, in yeah. digs though, like how exactly with how we kind of touched on Robbie Anderson earlier, he's not just a deep ball guy. He's True. a guy that he give him the give him the slants, you know, give him 
those short yardage, you know, the digs, everything like that. Give him like digs. Let digs dig. <laughs> uh, if you dig this, you dug that, right? Uh, mm-hmm. So no, get, give him those different routes and look what he's done. I mean, just in his career, how many times has he had that many targets as he did last year? I'm, and he led the league in targets and receptions last year, mm-hmm. which is nuts. I also think he uh, led the league in receiving yards as well. Yards, yep. Yeah, yards. So, and everybody, like, all year was just like, oh, he can't continue this. Oh, he can't continue this. Well, he did. Because previously, so in 2018, he had was his top first top 10 uh, finish ever. And it was the first time he ever had over 112 targets. I'm just saying. His sophomore year, he had mm-hmm. 112 targets. Uh, finished as wide receiver 30. Then never had that much. But last year, 20, or in 2018, he had 149 targets for 102 receptions, 1,000 yards, then nine touchdowns, and was the top 10 wide receiver. And then in 2020, you know, he was the number three wide receiver, and rightfully so, 166 targets, 127 receptions. He increased his catch percentage for 1,500 yards. He was all over the place, and he had eight touchdowns. Clearly, they, they trust him. I mean, he's, he's proven himself to be a true alpha receiver. No, he, he, definite, oh, he definitely is. He was a bar none, bona fide first team all receiver or all pro receiver last season. And I think, I think Diggs still will have more or less the same season. It's Allen. I'm kind of anticipating for that, for that step back. I remember when we, you and I had bounced fantasy ideas off of each other before. And one of the players that we split on in terms of uh, a philosophical approach was Devin Singletary. And I am steering clear of both bills running backs in any form of fantasy DFS season long Candyland never ending story. I, I mean, name it, you know, I'm, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't want no parts of that. You know what I mean? So, um, why are, what's your reasoning for at least, you know, having some sort of, if, if Devin single, let's, let's put it, let me, let me phrase it this way. If Devin Singletary and Zach Moss are on the waiver wire, do you make a move for them and say a 12 team PPR? Yeah, I'll take Dave, Devin Singletary for sure. Just because, when they do feature Devin Singletary in the games that he gets, you know, those 80% snap counts, 70% snap counts, he's usually a double-digit uh, fantasy producer in PPR leagues. Uh, so, I mean, it's not it's not going to be pretty. There's going to be some games he scores you four or five points. But you got to think, at the same time, they've never really gave him a true feature role. They've always gave somebody else work. And Devin Singletary, when they finally give him the opportunity, he does great. So between weeks two through six last year when Zach Moss was hurt or not playing uh, the entire game or entire games, Devin Singletary, his mm-hmm. uh, fantasy points per game, or he scored nine point or 9.6 points, 16 points, 18 points, four points, five points. Uh, so you had those two duds and those two, you know, RB2 weeks. So I can, I can, it's one of those guys I said, previously he's going to be a flex play he's going to be one of those guys you're not going to start him as an rb2 uh preferably not an rb2 but he's if you can put him in as a flex or maybe a bi-week replacement with how shallow it is at running back this year who would you rather have you know a devin singletary he was classified as a backup or a darrell williams i feel like like all health is assumed i think i feel like darrell williams is a play that to me at least I guess in a vacuum, I'd have to pick Singletary, but I don't, I wouldn't, 
I feel like the price tag for Singletary is higher than Daryl Williams. Is that accurate? I'm not sure anymore. Uh, I'll, I'll check on that. Yeah. But I mean, because I mean, overall, to answer your question, I mean, I think Daryl Williams is the play if if Clyde Edwards-Helaire gets hurt. Clearly, right. I'm not. I'm not I trying feel, to protect injuries. Uh, right, for sure. And I feel like though, even if like Zach Moss were to get hurt, Devin Singletary still is Devin Singletary. Devin Singletary's behind like Alexander Madison as well. Okay. Same thing, kind of like Alexander Madison. I feel like Ty Johnson, Cook. David Johnson, Darrell oh, I don't Williams, want any of those dudes. Boston Scott. I don't want Boston Scott. The only two is the only two are because of the people in front of them. If something happens, I think they're in a situation to where they're uh, they're they're going to get that opportunity. You and me both know that that fantasy is a mixture of talent and opportunity meeting together and intersecting, right? Yeah. And I feel that just the opportunity. I don't know where that opportunity. It's not Devin Singletary's talent. No, it's not that at all. I think he's very talented. I thought he was as a prospect coming out. I just don't think the opportunity in too many ways is there for Devin Singletary to be anything more than what he is right now. Okay, uh, Devin Singletary or James Conner? Oh, that's a good question. Devin Singletary or Jamal Williams? Devin, I would rank those three. Jamal Williams, Devin Singletary, James Conner. Man, I don't, I don't get why people rank Jamal Williams so high. Because it's, bro, Anthony Brown. And, and, and Anthony, Anthony, Brown, Lynn. Anthony Lynn. Anthony Lynn. If something happens to De- DeAndre Swift, which I mean we've seen, but granted it's small sample size, and I know there's other players there. I just feel like he's going to give it. Remember, remember when Lindell White was with the Titans and he just like fell in the end zone nine times. <laughs> so, that could be Jabal Williams doing that six seven times. You can look at the same thing though with Devin Singletary. Think about if Zach Moss gets hurt, you got an extra. 100 carries you have, at least going to him. You have, to me, on the goal line in the red zone, you have Josh Allen who's getting half of those carries, if not 60% of those carries. And I'm not trying to digress too much, but before J.K. Dobbins got hurt, don't get me wrong, right. I, I get the talent on J.K. Dobbins that everybody was so hyped on. Uh, I did have him on my bus list until he got injured. I wish that never happens to any uh, running back, anybody at all. It's just For sure. unfortunate. But I didn't, like, the same risk is there, but he also had Gus Edwards, who I think is better than all the running backs that we just mentioned, even before agree. the J.K. Dobbins hurt injury. I would agree. So, so I'm just saying, and he had Lamar Jackson, who definitely, you know, eats the goal line work. True. So, I would also what I would what I was to that what I would say is the Ravens run the ball more than anybody by far. Yeah, the Bills run the ball the fewest amount of times. I want to say it was 2019. Play. They set the record at 43 rush attempts per mm-hmm. game when previously it mm-hmm. hadn't been changed since like 1970 or something like that. And yeah. it was, back then it was like yeah. 38. I was just like, oh, wow, this is a uh, massive. Yeah, no, the Ravens run peel. The Ravens run the peel. They yeah. do that. And the Bills just don't really. And, we, and, and if you were to remove, like, like if you were to look at how much their running backs are carrying it, you know, it's it's just not that much. And again, I well, think Devin Sarah, if they, if they were just to commit to him a little more, and maybe they do this year. I, I I don't know. Maybe they do this year, but they're bringing back Dable. There's not a lot of change up front. I don't, like, philosophically, that's what got them to where they went last season. I just think if the defense maybe takes a step up, then that's what they think can get them back over the hump to be able to beat the likes of the Kansas City Chiefs, you know. From a fantasy perspective, I'm just I have no shares of those running backs in Buffalo. 
and, and again, this is projecting injury, which I said I don't like to do, but talking about like just the opportunities and how much they run. If you were to combine all of Zach uh, Moss's touches and all of Devin Singletary's touches from last year, where do you think we would be at? Like how many total touches do you think they had combined last year? 223. Nope, 336. Damn. So that's... I don't that's, think they give that all to the one guy. Anyway. I, I, we're, we're, I don't think they do, but you get what I mean. Right. But, yeah, I get what you mean. Yeah, they, they would still... There'd still be a running back that has I, I, opportunity. I, I, what's funny is kind of. Devin Singletary had 206 of those touches last year. Yep. Yeah. That's what I would have, and he still had 206. and I don't know where he finished. Or 206 finished. opportunities. Opportunities. You know. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. that's including targets and everything. But we'll we'll move into yeah. at least from this game, from this perspective. Do you this this Buffalo Bills defense, like I had said, they they grabbed a couple of edge rushers because last year they were they were pretty decent in terms of pressures, but it seemed like they couldn't capitalize in terms of making sacks. Is this Buffalo defense a team that you might look to stream against? Not maybe necessarily the worst matchups. But maybe other ones that they have in their division, such as the likes of the Colts or, well, obviously the Texans. Houston. But yeah, obviously <laughs> that, that that's not even a question. But, like, I mean, I think they have players there. In week two, they traveled to Miami. Then they got Washington. Then they got the Texans. So maybe as in terms of that same, the same, you know, the same methodology of beat the waiver wire. Would you, know, you add honestly, this Bills team right now? No. In season long? No. Uh, I would only play them against Houston, and I would only play them probably against the Jets. Looking at their schedule, you got Kansas City, you got Tennessee. Miami could be a good team. We don't. I mean, we don't know how they're going to do offensively yet. Uh, then maybe uh, Jacksonville, against... maybe. But I mean, I, yeah, that's week because they only so go a back and then could happen. Yeah. And then. Indy could be, a, I mean, you got Jonathan Taylor, who, I mean, definitely, if I was a defense, that's somebody I'd be concerned about. But I'm not, you're not just worried about one player. Maybe Michael Pittman starts to break out, Paris Campbell. Uh, plus, Frank Reich is a very offensive minded coach. He's just a really underrated uh, offensive coach, in my opinion. True. I just don't, I really don't like their schedule. Uh, yeah. New Orleans, it's nice. uh, it's not favorable. New England, Tampa Bay. I mean, maybe Carolina at week 15, you know, like, Man, mm-hmm. it's not it's not a defense that I'm like looking forward to at all. Got you, got you. From a to the last bit of fantasy before we move into how the real game's going to unfold, the Steelers receiving core had a lot of people that were, and not just the receiving core, their offense had a lot of guys that are going to be on fantasy rosters in season long formats. Deontay Johnson, I have in a league. I wasn't able to get any shares in Najee Harris. I know you like him a lot. I, I didn't get a single I don't share. Like him. You didn't get a single share, and you like him more than me. No, my brother snaked me. His first ever uh, draft uh, was with me on in our home league. He finally joined. He's eighteen, oh, uh, and he's a big. Where is fan. the love? And he snaked Najee Harris right before me. I was like, okay, thanks. Like, when did I was he like, get him? Uh, he got him at the. Yeah, he got him at the two hundred five. I I forget what the like. I was the pick before him in the first round, and the pick after him in the second round. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, no, I didn't get any shares of him. Like, like I mean, I had th- I had th- three leagues this year only for me. Not like you who plays seventy two leagues or whatever it is. I has, I has told you it's only like nine this year. Only nine. That's the most I've ever done in my life. <laughs> yeah, that's only nine. 
Only I, nine. I've, I've said no to a lot of leagues too. I've been asked, and I've like each time I'm like, eh, no. I think about it for a minute. I was like, let me get back to you, and then I like I wait too long, and I'm like, okay, good. They filled somebody or found somebody. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I, I I only finished with. Well, I take that back. Four, because I like to do after I do all my mocks and everything. I do one free league on I don't know, pick your site. That's just a free to, to kind of just play the whole thing out and see what I think before I jump into all of my season long ones. And of course I do, I do two DFS lineups each week. Yeah. I do my own DFS lineup and then shout out to my bro, my brother, Asante, Asante Wilson. We do, we each, every single week, we both go half and half on one person's app and then we pick our own lineup and we've actually had success doing that. So yeah, that's a lot of fun to do. But anyway, yeah, no, no shares of Najee Harris either. It gives you that uh, big mindset of, you know, like bouncing ideas off of each other and hearing exactly it, like because like I said, CJ and I do it too. like we go back and forth. Like uh, I'm only doing two uh, DraftKings this year. I didn't realize I had money on there until like a couple of weeks ago or maybe a month ago. And I filled out two lineups uh, just trying to beat before prices or anything like that change. Uh, I will say, though, I did do best ball this year for the first time, but that's because someone sent me an invite. I put like. $25 on there and then they matched my deposit. I was like, well, okay, well I'll do $50 worth of leagues on there, but season long baseball. Yeah. I don't count those as uh as leagues though, because you know, you're not really doing anything. It's you draft once and that's it. I, I think that I, I want to do one. I want to do a best ball. I want to do a best ball once. I didn't get to do one this year. I've never done one. And I just think because it was the, the first time I ever did it on the draft. I think yeah. that's, what's cool to do. And if you need to make a – here, correct me if I'm wrong, how best ball works. It's you you draft, and then every single player that you drafted is getting points that day. And then the person you're playing against in that league, every single person they drafted is getting points that day. Yes and no. So you draft – so I think it's like 18-team roster on underdogs. And on there, you have one quarterback, uh, two running backs, uh, three wide receivers, a flex, and a tight end. Those are your starting positions. However, you don't set a lineup. Uh, all your players all play that week, and then whoever has the best gets automatically put into your, like, okay, that's your lineup for the week. Okay. So. Oh, oh I got you. So yeah, it just so, takes the best players on your team and makes that your starting lineup. Okay. Yeah, so you always have your, be- your best lineup. And to give you an idea, like, I'll, I'll, I'll run through, like, kind of like my, this was my thought process because, like, uh, obviously I, I kind of want to, like, I'm going to get like one stud at each position that I know I can kind of lock in, like even quarterback. And then I'm going to kind of look at, okay, well, let's, let's look at some players that I think have some upside that might, you know, break out. So like QB, I have, I went three QBs, which is kind of crazy, but Aaron Rodgers, Jalen Hurts, and Big Ben. I was like, okay, like that's, I was pretty proud of that. You know, like I feel like yeah. any one of those could have a, a, a top five week or Aaron Rodgers top one week. I have Jonathan Taylor, DeAndre Swift, Miles Sanders, Josh Jacobs, and Tony Jones, which uh, was way before the news happened today because it was my last pick in the draft, too. So I was like, okay. But uh, wide receivers, Calvin Ridley, Chris Godwin, Juju Smith-Schuster, Jacoby Myers, Jalen Ragor, uh, Sterling Shepard, Deshaun Jackson, and tight ends. This one, this was just one of the leagues. But tight ends, you know, if you don't get an early one, you're going to be weak. So it's Gusecki, uh, Pat Freemuth or whatever. and then Fryermuth, yep. Fryermuth. I, I think he's a sleeper this year, man. I like Fire Move. DFS guy? Yeah, definitely. I'm with you on that, yeah. I see it. Well, to move into the 
I think I think like I I'd mentioned, I think Big Ben's a nice DFS play if you're running daily leagues this this in week one. I think Ben Ben is a guy that I will have as my quarterback actually running in a week long league where I decided one of my leagues, shout out to the TJ Who's Your Daddy League, which is a, a league I've been doing since two thousand and six. I'm starting Big Ben and I have Justin Fields on my bench. I'm just going to start Big Ben until Justin Fields starts. You know what's funny is last week when we tried recording before everything uh, messed up on us, we were talking about that specific combo, Big Ben and Tua or Big Ben and Fields for me. And you both, you agreed with me on Fields. Mm -hmm. And that's one of those things. Like with Big Ben, because of the risk that's around him, I'm going to draft a second quarterback and it's going to be somebody that I think has, you know, top 15 upside or better. Right. Right. That's exactly what I did, bro. I was like, I didn't even draft Fields. He was on the waiver wire after the draft. And you know what's crazy is Tua is on the waiver wire in one of my leagues, right? Or in the league that I drafted, Big Ben. See, I don't, I don't in season long. I'm, I'm, I'm. I don't, I don't want him. You know, you know, it's one of those things for a guy that you might stash to see. You know, a lot of people last year said they yeah. wouldn't want Josh Allen. You know, a lot of people last year. Ryan Tannehill was drafted twenty second as a twenty second quarterback off. Oh, he stays being underrated. <laughs> but but you know what I mean? Like, I mean, let let them sleep on some people. You know? Yeah. The no, yeah, is, I'm with you. How many times? Like, how many times do you have a top twelve quarterback that is not drafted as a top twelve quarterback that's drafted? You know, bottom twelve. Why can't it? Like, and I'm not I'm not touting on Sam Darnold this year, but why can't it be somebody like Sam Darnold or you know? or like Tua, or like a rookie like Trey Lance or Fields. People were thinking Fields and Lance can do it more than the other two that I just mentioned. But I'm just saying, there's these uh, quarterbacks that you're gonna that, that are going to surprise every year. Nobody, Justin Herbert was undrafted last year. For sure. And what was he, a For top sure. 10 quarterback? Yep. So Yeah, I, I got my, my QB combo. So in a 14-team league, I have Mahomes. I didn't even draft a backup. Yeah, we have a it's a 14 team roster. I want to keep my other places intact. If Mahomes goes down, then I'll I'll deal with it then. And then if when the bye week rolls around, I'll deal with it then. That's just where I'm at with it. I could go start especially with that deep of a team. Yeah, exactly. You know what I mean? And you're in a 14 team league. So it's not like you need to have, you know, it's Mahomes was my keeper, ninth (laughs) round, etc. You know, I don't want to keep going. No one cares about your fantasy team type of thing. But you know, <laughs> the it's just in that type of a format in a 14 team super deep league. Normally, if you're like a early fantasy player, I would suggest getting a backup to make it easier. Actually, oh. no, I take that back. I take that back. I would say no. And then just play the matchup when you need to play the matchup or grab a waiver wire guy. We need to grab a waiver wire guy, stream a QB, etc. But anyway, my other leagues where in a, in a 12 team league, I have Dak. And just because this team specializes in ha- or this league specializes in having a deep bench, I grab Trey Lance as my backup. Normally, yeah. in those type of leagues, I don't even grab a backup. But I just unless I have a you know a quarterback that I don't really trust, like the Ben and, and Fields situation in my ten team league. But yeah, I, I had to do that just because you know what I mean. Maybe it's trade bait later on down the road. You know, for me, normally when I draft a quarterback or a set or a extra quarterback it's only going to be in two qb leagues that's when i'll draft a third quarterback because i'm going to start two qbs but i want to have that third one locked up i don't want somebody to be stashing you know four or five quarterbacks in me on the bye weeks or if one gets injured i'm sol so that's the only time i really kind of look at that type of stuff yeah i'm with you 
So to move to the score, so we move off this game, the over-under, as we had mentioned at the beginning of this segment, at 48.5, I'm going to take the over, and let me get the Bills winning by three, let's call it 31-28, to 28, Buffalo. I think the reason why they win is that just Josh Allen has enough in him to be able to make things happen late. The Steelers' defense, while they're still going to be very good, that secondary still has its questions. And I don't know if there's enough there to be able to contain Stephon Diggs. There's an underrated signing that the Bills had this year, and that's Emmanuel Sanders. That guy, when he's healthy, I get it. He's old, and he's been playing for a long time. I get it. I really do. And when that that fall-off happens, that drop-off happens for him, it's going to be cliff-like. And I don't think that you can reference what he did last year or didn't do last year with the Saints because we were looking at a Drew Brees that wasn't the Drew Brees when we say the name Drew Brees. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I think that we see a, a better deployment of him. Maybe not a better deployment of him, but at least a quarterback that can get the ball to him in that intermediate area, intermediate area somewhere around that 10 to 19 yard range where he thrives. He can play in the slot. He can play outside. They have Cole Beasley, who's was a first team all, or not first team, but a second team all pro just because of the, the slot position. But Gabriel Davis, I think that's is a guy like. that's kind of an unsung heroish dude in DFS. I think he's a good play. I think he might be a good play just because of how much he's going to be called on to throw this week to beat this Steeler team. And like I said, I got them doing so. So, yeah. And people might veer away from him just because of the Pittsburgh defense when they hear that. Exactly. The Pittsburgh defense, people are thinking about Cole Beasley, and people are thinking about maybe Dawson Knox, or people are thinking about Stephon Diggs or whoever it might be. But, yeah, I, I like as a deep, deep deal, like if you got just a little bit of cash left in your in your DFS league, yeah, go ahead and scoop up, scoop up Gabriel Davis. Nice little play right there. Uh, what's your score? I'm going to go 27-24 Bills, and it's one of those ones. This game, I could, like, this sounds crazy, but I could see this game even ending in a tie. Like, it's one of those things I could see it being that close. I yeah. do like, though, as far as a betting man goes, I do like the over. Yeah, I do like the over, too. But I like the again, over. It's, it's one of those games, man. I, 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 think the, I think the over is probably the safest bet of this game. Yeah, I'm with you yeah. on that 100%. I mean, I think we both, I have it projected as 51, and you had it projected as what? 3128. Uh, 3128. So we got 59. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Take that over. Yeah. I think I might lay some money on that over. <laughs> there you go. I think I might. Moving into our last game of the week one preview. Bro, like, God, there's football Thursday and Saturday and Sunday. It's the most wonderful time. Anyway. Uh, yeah, Kansas City, six-and-a-half-point favorites. At home versus Cleveland. Kansas City is at home versus Cleveland, six-and-a-half-point favorites. We're getting a repeat of that divisional matchup. We are getting a repeat of that divisional matchup. And there's the biggest turnover between both of these teams. On the Kansas City side of the thing, on the Kansas City side of the slate, their biggest turnover is in that offensive line. Which rightfully in a so. good way though, like exactly, like not not a bad turnover, not people leaving. No, they did. They had a, they had a weakness, and they spent everything they could to make that weakness a strength. 
A hundred percent, a hundred percent. And I agree with it. And the, the cover zero podcast is pro building through the trenches. Everybody who's listened for a long time knows that build through the trenches. They're one of the most underrated areas you can look to do. So we are offensive line pro podcast. It's just the way it is. And I honestly think, like you said, a, the biggest turnover as a good thing was what they did on the offensive line. And I think the biggest turnover that the Browns did as a good thing was strengthening that defense. So the the areas where both of these teams have changes was in areas where they were needed. And I think they both addressed them rightfully, which is why this matchup, I think, is going to be so dope come that, that afternoon slate on Sunday. You know, yeah. the thing is, though, and I may live in Kansas City, and I, I, I'm picking Kansas City to win this game. But Me too. I will say... When it comes to, I get the Browns have increased that defensive line. Mahomes only needs a couple seconds. That's it. That's it. He just needs not to get hit unblocked. You know, he needs people to be able to plug some holes just to give him yeah. a second to let Tyreek Hill get down the field or Kelsey just body somebody. You know, that's all he needs. And then his legs can do the rest. So no matter how good a defensive line is, as long as he has anybody to protect him, that's doing an okay job. Because let's face it, the Super Bowl was not an okay job. That was no. <laughs> that that was that was sixty minutes of him running for his life. But yeah, uh, yeah him running for his life is still hitting people in the helmet in the hands. You know, yeah, is what it so, is. So, uh, no, so it's one of those things. I, yeah, you got that rematch, but I can't see he's gonna just get this game. I will say there's a player that I like a lot because I think it's gonna be a shootout. The on Cleveland and. As I said last year, I've always liked this player, but Kareem Hunt. I think okay. it's gonna be, I think it's gonna be one of those things. They're revenge game, revenge game. Yep, revenge game. <laughs> so here, here's an awkward team name. Uh, I don't know if I should say it on the radio or on the. No, on the no, air. go ahead, go ahead. So my uh, one of my friends in my home league drafted Kareem Hunt and Young Hoku. Young and his Hoi team, Ku? yeah. Well, but it's spelled ho. I know. Yeah. H O. So his yeah. his team name is Kicking Young Hoes. <laughs> <laughs> I was I was dead too. I was like, oh my god. I expected something more vulgar. That's no. That's, I, yeah. I just didn't Kickin want young people. Hoes. No, I get that. That's funny. But, yeah, I was <laughs> I was cracking up on that. Uh, I will say, here's a punishment. Do you have any punishment for your home leagues or anything? If so are, are, I uh, I thought about to drafts or anything like that. I thought about instilling one in the live draft that I do this year. The live draft that I had at my house, shout out to the Willie's Beam and Fantasy League. A lot of you guys listening, uh, I know a lot of them listen, a lot of those dudes. I love I love every single one of y'all. I thought about instilling a draft penalty this year, but I have a hard enough time getting every single one of those people to show up for the draft that I A, text them, that I B, post on the on the Facebook group page. Yes, I'm talking to you, James and Steve. If you're even listening this deep, I'll tag it. But yeah, no. That I, so I, I, I didn't. It's, it's, a, it's a miracle in and of itself if we can make it through the end. So a, a long way to a short answer. No, I don't. But I'm so those things. This is the first year we've ever implemented it. And a guy showed up 40 minutes late after the draft started. And I was, I was livid. And we waited. He's like, I'll be there in a half hour. And he wasn't there. And I was like, you know what? We're starting the draft. And he was fourth pick overall. 
and we tried calling him, couldn't get a hold of him, couldn't get a hold of him, whole nine yards. He he paid up and he owned up to He's like, you know, it's fine. He's like, I messed up. I know, like, this wasn't a rule before, but we said, hey, man, you want to, weren't getting a hold of us? So the league voted. And guess who his uh, fourth overall pick was? Derrick Henry? Cam Newton. What? Yep. The league voted and did it, and he took the punishment. He took it. Boom. Do it. Yeah. And it was one of those things, like, I, I think there's an edit, like an etiquette for people to, you know, at least communicate when it comes to things like that. I, I you hear had, you 100%. As a commissioner, but you know this, but I started planning this stuff, you know, a month and a half in advance. Like, hey, what date works? Uh, you know, like, I usually have a date set a month and a half yep. in advance. But usually it's before that, hey, what day works for everybody? Like, we're talking two months out at this point, getting everybody's answers in, you know, okay, everybody agrees on a date, agrees on a time, whole nine yards, and just still, there's always somebody. Yeah. No, I'm going to have to do, yeah, I'm going to I'm gonna have to do an ultimatum for, because it's been every year. I, I love these guys, but I'm going to have to do an ultimatum. Like, bro. If like like it's draft day and you're 30 minutes late and I give you a call, oh I forgot, and this happens three years in a row, dude. Yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll give them one more chance. I'll give yeah. them next year, and if they don't, then yeah. Anyway, I, what's what's funny is the uh one of the guys we actually removed from the league because he would either even during COVID last year we didn't do a live draft. Uh, everybody stayed home, and the guy auto drafted the entire draft. And the year before, he didn't show up on time. Or the year before, he didn't even show up, and he was calling in his picks, and he was mad that players were gone and stuff like that. It's like, dude, be here. Like, we're trying to call you. We're all trying to, like, do this, you know, semi-organized and, you know, like, not taking 15 minutes a pick. And I was like, hey, man, I know you paid in for the league belt. You've been in for years. But at this point, we all just want you out. Mm-hmm. Yep. We had to do this one year uh, where – we had a live draft. We'll get back to the KC and Browns game in just a second. <laughs> but uh, uh, we had one year where we did a live draft where this one guy, we're all sitting down to draft. Draft's about to start. He's like, 10 minutes out, 10 minutes out, 10 minutes out, 10 minutes out, 10 minutes out. And it's 25 minutes late. And then he calls me. And I'm like, hey, he, he's calling me. And I answer the phone. And he's like, yeah, I'm not coming. I don't want to waste the gas. Let me, let me draft over the phone with you. I'm like, no. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not doing all this extra stuff. This is a high roller league. We bet a hundred dollars on buy-in. No. When you said high roller, you said a hundred dollars. Like, oh, that's not too bad. A <laughs> hundred dollars on buy-in. Every, every player ad is a dollar. Okay. And then there's a point earnings for if you lead the league in, in terms of points, you lead the league in points then you get the the waiver wire ad. So every time someone adds a person, it's a buck. Yeah. Right? So let's say you win the league outright. You get the Super Bowl ship. And you score the most points just during the regular season. Right? You get both pots. That's so we're nice. talking about $1,400 just in buy-in. And then if you go beyond that to what the, whatever the pot is, could be. Another almost two thousand dollars that you, yeah, have. you know what I mean. So I'm like, it, yeah, it's up. It's nice. I and mean, you get it right I, after Christmas after spending all of that money. You know what I mean? I can't. I, you know what I mean? I can't, I'm sorry, bro. I can't help you. 
We straight up was like, no, you're not going to be in. He's like, well, then you guys have an odd draft. Sorry, no one was drafted. We were like, you waited until the draft started to be like draft over the phone for me. No one's going to do that for you. And then somebody else was like, we called one. We called another friend of ours. Boop, 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 boop. Shout out to Robert Ellis. And he was like, no, yeah, be there in five minutes. <laughs> the real MVP. Yep. Boop. Drove right in, in the league. And he's been there for the last, what now? Let me think. Almost 10 years now. He's been in the league. And yeah. and see, you got you got to love people like that that you know are reliable and make it fun. That's the people that mm-hmm. make it seem like it's work and a hassle that makes it so much tougher. And there's some people that don't even realize that as a commissioner, they're, we're not getting paid for this unless we win. Okay, like there's a right. lot of stress that goes into coordinating all this stuff. And oh, you know, bro, I hosted the 14 team draft in my house. I cooked food. I I, I didn't cook food. So what I did is a, I did a potluck. That's okay. what I said. I was like, y'all showing up, I got this. And so what I did, but I did stock my fridge full of beers in the garage. I did have to make a draft board out of, like, I went to the craft store. I bought all of these, like, 22 by 28 white cardboard papers. I duct taped four of them together to make it, you know, wide enough for everyone to see. I tack it to the board. Then we sit there. It's a keeper league. I keep track of everyone's keepers. I send them the information of who the keeper is that they want. I set a deadline so that people who really are keeping track can strategize knowing who everyone's keeper is and knowing the draft picks that they keep. I have my oldest son and me. We do this. It's been a tradition every year where I put all the names into a giant bowl and he picks them out from last pick to first pick, right? And then after everyone shows up and I have this, you know, and I open up the home for everyone to come in and we all do this. It's a lot of fun. I love it to death. And after all that happens and I clean up the house and then after that, the next day, I enter all the things manually, pick by pick, into the app. And then I text every single person, set your lineups. And yep. still, after all of that, some people don't even set their lineup for week one. Oh, my gosh. That, yeah, that that would drive me nuts, but that yeah. that's on them at that point, you know. It, oh, yes, one hundred percent. But anyway, All I right. digress. No, it's Chiefs. okay. We go down the rabbit hole. <laughs> Said Casey, a huge tangent only like Cover Zero podcast would do. Oh, a huge tangent only like Cover Zero podcast would do. I think that the Browns, like I said, they at the start of this segment, they invested into their defense specifically, and I think that this defense, if everything hits right. We could be looking at a unit that is really, really, really good and possibly putting this team, possibly, I think the ceiling for this Browns team is the AFC title game. I think that's the ceiling. If everything goes right for the Browns, the ceiling is the AFC title game. Could you imagine just thinking about it? They were one, They were only, granted, it, it may not be that catastrophic because they were one game away from it last year. But could you imagine, like, the Browns are in the AFC title game? Just to say those words <laughs> in reality is pretty crazy. But I don't think it's as crazy as it could sound considering what could happen for this team with everything that's there. I mean, they're not the Browns of the league anymore. So that's that's the Texans now. So it, it's not as crazy as it seems. Uh, so, you know, it could happen. I don't see it happening. I wouldn't bet on it. Uh, Nor would I. But it's But it's one of those things. You know, it's in the realm of possibilities. Anything can happen on any given Sunday. Uh, they have a decent offense. Uh, they have they have an identity on offense, which is better than, you know, knowing like having great players. Like 
That's a good way to put it. If you remember, uh, not last year, but the year before, uh, 2019, Tennessee during the regular season beat Kansas City. And everybody was so shocked that they did. And my thing was, is I was like, that's because they stuck to their game plan the entire game. They didn't play Kansas City's game plan. They didn't try and shoot out with them. They gave Derrick Henry the ball over and over and over and over. And then by the fourth quarter, Kansas City's defense couldn't do anything. Didn't uh, Tennessee hit, uh, what was his name, hit Adam Humphreys for a last-second touchdown in that game? Yep, it was a game-winning. You know what's funny about that? As I was watching the game with my friend, I was like, crap, I need I need like nine more points from Adam Humphreys to win this I game. know, I had him two in that game. That's why I remember. <laughs> <laughs> I believe he had he had a uh, 10-yard touchdown or, or something like that, whatever it was, and yeah. it wound up, or I think I needed eight more points because it was like eight points he got off of that one catch, and he had like a mm-hmm. total of nine points. I and remember. I, like, I had. A good, that's why I remember too. And I was just sitting there. And I was like. I was like, yes. And then, like, he looked at me, and a few other people in the room looked at me. I was like, oh, crap. I better. I better check where I'm at, right, real quick. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, no. I, I. I was like, well, on a good note, I uh, won my week. <laughs> yep. Mm-hmm. But no, yeah. but those are dope. But you sit there, you're like, I need this, and then it just like unfolds in real life. It's the yeah. beauty of fantasy, right there. But knowing your identity that's what the browns do they they run the ball they know their identity they know baker mayfield's not going to be a world beater passing the ball uh odell's not who he used to be jarvis landry's getting old but the thing is is like like we just mentioned they're gonna run the ball they're gonna do what they're good at uh and hopefully their defense can slow down kansas city long enough for them to stay in this game i don't see it really happening but let's i mean honestly I think I might take the under on this game just because 54 and a half is what it's now moved to for the over under. Mm-hmm. So I'll take the under on this, but I mean, it's Kansas city home opener. Maybe they go big. I don't know. I will say Andy Reed back when he was with Philly, he was always the court or always the coach that the way I described it, he plays to not lose games. Well, now he plays to win this game, win games, you know, he puts his you know, foot on the yeah, throat. Yeah. Patrick, yeah. And he's like, Nope, we're just going to run up the score. We're not going to, uh, we're gonna do what Belichick has always done. Like, oh, we're up thirty-eight to you know ten. Okay, well, we need another touchdown. You know, they don't yeah. just run the clock. They they're gonna run the score. Yeah. No, I'm with. I, now that I think about it, like really, um, I'm there on the under because last year in the playoffs, like I had mentioned at the start of it, when these two teams met, Josiah and I were really talking about how much they deviated from the run game. They being Cleveland, yeah. and just how much they just abandoned it towards that point where the game was still in tension. Whatever it was, maybe Kevin Stefanski, the head coach, got it in his head that they need to match the Chiefs in scoring. The only way to do so is throwing the ball, whatever it might be. But I think this year, at least if they're going to go down, they're going to go down with their identity, like you said. And because of that, uh, yeah, uh, I think I'll take, I'll, I'll agree on the under. But I wouldn't bet on that either myself. Yeah, I, 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 yeah. This would be the one game out of all the four that we have previewed that I would completely steer clear of in terms of betting one hundred percent. Like in just terms of like you know KC at six and a half. Eh, I don't, I don't know if they necessarily know if it's more important to win by a, a, a touchdown specifically. You know what I mean? They'll look yeah. at it as like a possession. You know, there can be those games like when they when when the Chiefs played the Bucks last year. And in the regular season, that being, they were clearly the better team in the regular season at that point. And then in that game, 
and yet it was only a four-point or a five-point win. The Chiefs clearly took their foot off the gas. I think I could see it being one of those type of things. Let's just secure the win. It's week one. We don't have to impress everybody, et cetera, et cetera, blah, blah, blah. Don't get hurt. Right. You know, play the long game, not the short game. Just get the win and get out. And so, you know, yeah, but that that doesn't suggest reason to still take the Browns because I could see it to where it's a possibility just where, yeah, still they're the Chiefs and they win by 10. And that's not crazy to think about. So, but yeah, overall, if I was to give a score, the the Chiefs, I still, I, I have them winning the Super Bowl this year. I have them winning the Super Bowl this year. And uh, let me get the Chiefs. 20, 29 Browns, 24. No, 20, let's just, uh, 23. Yeah, 23. 29, 23. Kind of an odd score. Hit 29 and 23. But yeah, let me just do it that way. Yeah. You know, I actually have Kansas City right around 28 is where I've been always just coming back to him at. And I want to say the Browns score 20, but I, I don't think that happens because I don't think Kansas City covers on this game either. So I'll say I'll say 28-24. Yeah, yeah, I like it. Yeah. I like that area. Are there any DFS plays before we exit out of this week one preview? Wait, what? wait. We actually had one preview. Yeah, no, that that is that is what we're doing right now. It sounds beautiful. What it do you is. have as far as the DFS play goes? I actually had a couple start sits just for every. Oh yeah, no, that throughout too. the league, uh, fantasy wise, and I have a DFS a single play because there's a couple of names that we've already mentioned that we've talked about, uh, mm-hmm. like you mentioned with Gabriel Davis. But this player I actually like a lot. Uh, Keys Watkins, Philadelphia Eagles, three K on DK on DraftKings. So. Against Atlanta Falcons. What do you mean by three K on DK? Three thousand, uh, three thousand dollars of your salary, which three thousand on DraftKings. I think okay. the minimum. I think that's the minimum that you can spend on a player. So, uh, so I do my allowed... DFS. It's interesting. I do my DFS on uh, what's the other one? I don't do it Fanduel. on DraftKings. Fanduel. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Why? Sorry, another tangent here, and another apology, I guess, <laughs> but. Uh, why DraftKings over FanDuel for you? Uh, honestly, I I don't know. I just kind of bounced around between both of them sometimes. Uh, I don't have any. Honestly, I really wasn't planning on doing uh daily fantasy much this year. Uh, and I, like I said, I had money on uh, DraftKings, and when I was going through all the players, True. I just saw the value. That, so I get that. Yeah. So is it just like where your favor is, or do you just prefer the platform? One basically, the question was, do you prefer one platform for another for people who are trying to get into DFS? I prefer DraftKings, uh, but that's what I started on, so that's probably why. Uh, but it doesn't determine. And I started from one on the FanDuel. Other. There we go. Yeah. Uh, okay, but, so continue. So out of, uh, I believe on DraftKings, you have a budget of like fifty thousand to fill, uh, what like nine roster spots. So you're like right around like five, just like what forty five hundred a spot or whatever it breaks down to, and Keys Watkins sitting at three thousand dollars allows you to spend up on players like maybe. Calvin Ridley at 7,900 or Justin Jefferson at 7,700 or, you know, uh, that's just one of those things. The way I look at it, I try and find value at like wide receiver positions. I can spend a little bit less on so I can spend up at other positions. Uh, I will say my stack of the week for daily fantasy is uh, the Falcons, Matt Ryan, Calvin Ridley, and Kyle Pitts. Okay. Matt Ryan, Calvin Ridley. Okay. And Kyle Pitts. Yeah. Okay. 
And that's just because, you know, I, I don't expect the Eagles defense to be very good this year. So, I mean, they it's a new defense. Maybe I mean, new defensive coordinator, a lot of the same faces, not a, not a big change or anything like that. The D-line is good, but apart from that. Yeah. Uh, I actually have Mike Davis as a sit because of the D-line. That's, yeah. Yeah, you know, he's an interesting guy this year in – yeah. He's an I'm interesting not, because is he gonna get the work? Yeah, he's an interesting guy. I actually only the one share of Mike Davis I had was in a dynasty league, and uh, right when he got signed by the Falcons, someone offered me a uh, the two the two hundred one uh, in a rookie draft, which you know, okay, I look at that as pretty much a first round pick in my opinion. You know, getting the two hundred one, it wound up netting me Trey Sermon, and I'd rather have Trey Sermon over. Uh, over uh, Mike Davis. And oh, especially in a dynasty. Yeah. Oh, my God. Not even so, a question. But they didn't know who the pick was going to turn out to be, and they were just sure. like, oh, Mike Davis is going here. He doesn't have any competition. They were all for it. I was like, and I was like, send me an offer, and they sent me that. I was like, you know, that was better than what I thought I was going to get. So, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Let's do it. But I actually have uh, Mike Davis as a sit versus the Eagles. Uh, but getting into some of my start sits, start of the weeks, uh, as I already touched on Matt Ryan, I, I love him versus the Eagles. He's not getting a lot of love this year, and what's crazy is Matt Ryan always starts hot in September. I don't know what it is, but this guy just plays his best ball in September, and he's at home versus the Eagles. So, uh, yeah, I'm all for it there. I am going to go with a rookie quarterback as a start of the week or as a start for uh, Week One, and I'm going Trevor Lawrence at Houston. Houston yeah, is like just a dumpster one. fire. I, I want to see what he. I haven't gone through my DFS yet, but I wonder about him and Ben in terms of like cost in yeah. DFS. So. I'll see what but I'm Ben starting, is yeah, like I said, in reference because uh, Matt Ryan on DraftKings was six thousand, and Big Ben. Uh, let's see where we're at with he's sixty one hundred. So Matt Ryan was cheaper than Big Ben. Save you that hundred, yeah, okay. Yeah, and other pl- and here's a Matt Ryan. Here's a player that is ahead of him. That's actually the sit of my week uh, on draft, and this is just my sit of the week for fantasy in general. But uh, Justin Herbert sixty seven hundred on DraftKings again, getting value on Matt Ryan at six thousand around players like Baker Mayfield or Carson Wentz or Jimmy Garoppolo. I mean, he's going yeah, to outdo all of them. Yeah. So uh, yeah. we we know what Matt Ryan's capable of. So, But, yeah, I'm sp- uh, sitting Justin Herbert versus Washington. I'm starting Trevor Lawrence versus Houston. I'm starting Matt Ryan versus Eagles. Running backs, this is going to be one that might be a little bit different for people just because they're so concerned about him. But I'm starting Miles Gaskins versus New England. See, I got him in, I got him in a redraft this year. And I, I think am that was a benching him in my flex. You're benching him in your flex or starting him? So I'm benching him in my flex because my backs, it's a keeper league. So my backs are Austin Eckler, who was my keeper, and Dalvin Cook, who was my first round pick. So those are my backs. And it's a three receiver tight end with a flex league. Okay. And my three receivers are, who do I got? I got Deontay Johnson. I got okay. Keenan Allen. AJ Brown and Odell in my flex. So I'm going basically my move is Odell over Gaskin in the flex. So in a PPR, I, I, full PPR. It, that's a coin flip. That really I the reason why I say it's a coin flip is just because we know that the game the, the Kansas City game is going to be passing. It's going to be passing and I just like the ceiling. I just like I I when I look at I wanted one share of Odell this year, right? There was a couple guys I wanted one share of. I wanted at least one share of Devontae Williams. I got it. Or Javante Williams. I got it. Oh, I love I wanted Javante. at least one share 
of Najee. I didn't get it. I wanted at least one share of Jamar Chase. I got it. I wanted at least one share of uh, Devontae Smith. I got it. And then I wanted at least one share of Odell and Julio. I got Odell. I didn't get Julio. Right? Just as far as like mid-round dudes that have the ceiling and the capacity to maybe be great. I'm the first to sit here and tell you that Odell hasn't been elite. Like some people just remember him when he was with the Giants in his rookie year, et cetera, et cetera. The talent and all that, whatever, whatever. But when I, if I can just take a, I got him for what was it? A sixth round pick. Yeah. The upside you know what I mean? There. The upside, it, it's that. So like, but for week one, I'm, I'm just, I'm just going in on the upside. And then if it doesn't work out, I got Miles Gaskin there. I get so, it. Yeah. It, it's, you're doing what typically you should do in your flex spot is you're going for upside. And that's typically what the flex is for. You're, for me, my starting positions, you know, your RB1 and RB2, that's going to be players that I know are going to be, you know, my double-digit scorers or I know what their floor is. I know how safe they are. Where my flexes are going to be like Tyler Lockett's, maybe an Odell Beckham. You know, you have those players that mm-hmm. could, if they have a week, they can win you that week. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's how I've always viewed it. Uh, my second start at running back is going to be Gus Edwards versus the Raiders. I just think that's a hey, nice player. Hopefully play. so. Uh, I'm sitting... Josh Jacobs versus the Ravens, though. I would, too. Yeah. Um, I would, too. I, so I don't have any shares of Josh. I mean, I love the kid just from, you know, a Raider, not just yeah. a Raiders fan perspective, just from a football person perspective. I love the kid, you know, grew up living in a car, you know, his passion, his running style. He's on, he's on my he's squad. Related, you know? I can't say enough great praises about him. I really can't. The human being he is, the character he is, blah, blah, blah. you know, I could go on for days. It's not him, it's the team. No offense. It, again, I can't. It, it's it doesn't work out. It just it does not. the The stars do not align for Josh Jacobs to be a good fantasy football player against the Ravens. Yeah, they just don't. Uh, for wide receivers though, uh, here are some of the wide receivers that I one of them that we've already talked about a few times tonight uh, that you clearly like, but Jerry Judy versus the Giants. Or at the Giants. Love I, that start. I love that start too. Uh I also like it might be uh, a nice DFS too. Yeah. I haven't I I think I have him actually in one in one of the two that I started. I haven't formulated my lineup yet, but now that I think about it, yeah. I, I just think the PPR options there. Uh I also have T. Higgins at Minnesota. I think everybody's sleeping on T. Higgins, man. So everybody was talking about um how like so few rookie wide receivers have like nine hundred uh reception yards and all that i think they i think the stat that i heard was like uh there's been 13 rookie wide receivers that have had 900 uh receiving yards or more in the rookie year in the last like eight years or whatever uh going back to or sorry seven years going back to 2014 since that historic year uh and like everybody was touting like oh well it's cd cd lamb they're talking about cd lamb cd lamb you know t higgins had pretty much the same stats as uh, cd lamb last year Wow. Yeah. I mean, I'm not surprised. 60, I mean, 67 receptions, 908 yards, six touchdowns. Uh, CD Lamb did uh, outperform him uh, because he did have like 30 rushing yards and a touchdown. So, I mean, yeah, you know, I'm, yeah. I'm a, like, we talked about this. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, how many weeks were you ahead of this other guy as opposed to season total? You know what I mean? Like, let's yeah. say if you were to take this guy, how many weeks, like, like week, week, week one, week two, week three, how many did he score then to, as opposed to average? 
So you know what I mean? He, he didn't play week one. Uh, week two, he scored six and a half points, and then he didn't have a game below ten points, and uh, there was only one game below ten points uh, until yep. week eleven, and of that. There was a game at 13, a game at 10, and a game at 14, and but the rest of them were uh, 18 or more. So you had four games at 18 yep. or more fantasy points. And then near the end of the season, I mean, after losing Burrow, that's when things started to fluctuate much, much more. Mm-hmm. So, And he, had, he only had three touchdowns during that time with Burrow as well. So Burrow clearly liked him as a target. And Loved him. I mean, so. he, was a, he was the contested catch dude, and I think, like, that's what Jamar Chase is hoping to be because if you look at the Jamar Chase's tape coming out of LSU, he's playing bully ball at a lighter weight than even T. Higgins. So I don't necessarily know if it's going to translate. You know what I mean? I think, I think he's talented enough and they'll give him the opportunity. Like we had talked about talent meets opportunity. Yeah. I think he's got both of those at least going enough for him. Like I have one share of Jamar Chase, but as a, in the league where I have him, I'm not even starting him. It's that same league that I was just referencing with Eckler and Cook and Beckham. Like he's on my bench, you know. What yeah. I mean? So I'll just see kind of how it works out. But uh, T. Higgins overall, if I were to have him in any league, he'd definitely be starting. So, and I don't necessarily know if the consensus looks at those two guys the same way. I see. My thing is, is I I felt like I had a really good trade in one of my leagues getting T. Higgins. It's a rebuild dynasty that I'm in. Uh, my team wasn't very good, but I traded away Stephon Diggs, David Montgomery, and Tyler Lockett for Chris Godwin, T. Higgins, a first, a second, and a third next year. So I took the took the value at younger uh, players, getting rid of David Montgomery, who I wanted to keep, but the guy needed a uh, running back. I feel like short-term, obviously, it's a lose for my team, but I really didn't have a lot of depth. But I like Chris Godwin. He's 25 years old, and I, T. Higgins, 22 years old. And like you said, he is just able to play that bully ball. Like he's he's great at contested catch can, mm-hmm. uh, contested catches. And I'm not saying Jamar Chase won't be good. My biggest concern for the Cincinnati is their offensive line. I think that can really affect them in a negative way. But yeah, that's yeah. Uh, digressing a little bit here. Uh, my it third is. my third wide no, receiver keep going. Uh, is actually a trend here with second year wide receivers. I'm going Lavisca Chenault versus Houston, uh, and he's I like somebody it. I like in I like DFS it. as well. I like so, it. It's it's uh something that I'm looking forward to. I will say uh I'm sitting DJ Chark and I'm sitting Jamar Chase. Kind of yep. going on the flip coin of those last two. And that's just because Jamar Chase, I think he can have a great rookie year. I just don't see it right now being a year removed from football. I, I know he's played some preseason, you know, he's had his offseason, but it's it's not the same. And you're playing at a whole new level with players that are, you know, been in the league for a long time. So those are going to be my, like, biggest benches that I'm staying away from. Uh, I will say, though, uh, there's one player I do want to talk about. Who do you think is going to be your the best rookie wide receiver this year? In terms of fantasy? Yeah. Devontae Smith. That's who I have as well. And uh, this was going to be something I was going to talk about last week. Uh, Just kind of want to touch on it. But Devontae Smith. Not only is he the reigning Heisman winner, so I mean that's he not was my an easy one receiver prospect coming yeah. out. Yeah, and this is here's why I like him more than Shamar Chase. So Smith in his last year had 117 receptions for 18 or for 1,856 yards and 23 receiving touchdowns. 
That is insane to the point mm-hmm. where as far back as I went, which I only went back to 2006, but we're, that's 15 years, okay? That's a lot of years. There's only been four wide receivers in that time period who have had more receiving yards than him. You have Jordan White in 2011, Greg Sales in 2010, Michael Crabtree in 2007, Corey Coleman, I believe, had it as well. I have With to Brown. Uh, double check. Uh, no, I'm talking about in college. Oh, college, college. Yeah. yeah. Right, right, right. But there's only been one wide receiver during that same time period who has had more receiving touchdowns in a single season in college. Do you know who it is? Justin Blackman. Devontae Smith? Nope. Uh, 24 touchdowns, Devontae Adams in 2013. Okay. Oh. So the talent is there without question. The main concern for Smith is not uh, really his talent. I just wonder how healthy he can stay because he is super lean. But we've He's seen other. Yeah, he is. His he legs. Is. That's what, like, when I see his legs, how skinny they are, I was like, oh, babe. I was like, you know, man, he's, like, but get those as calves. A, <laughs> as a, I hear you. I hear you. I hear you. But as a prospect, that dude, he defied He's proved everything it. To, to, like, you know, Josiah, Josiah and Henry and I and Brandon, you know, when we, when we give our top tens and our, we did a wide receiver preview and Henry was. You know, Chase over Devontae, but all of us thought that Devontae was, you know, still going to be the man. Josiah and I, though, were the two that were just big on, like, look, I don't care about his weight. This dude's tape. Just watch him. It's like, like you see the skinny guys, like, take those hits, right? So his and first, like, oh, my leg. Oh, I got to get it. Oh, my leg. No, that's not him. He just, no, I got hit. Let's go. So, so you know Second what, down. like, really, like, sold me on him uh, in preseason? was his first game that he was in in preseason. Those He had like three routes that he ran that his routes off the line destroyed people. My ankles were hurting watching this. I was just He's like, got, oh my he, shit. He was, getting, he was getting open with moves. And he watched it's the same thing like, like Judy and like Henry Ruggs. Like you see this wiggle in these like Alabama dudes. It's otherworldly. The recent, yeah, it's just like, it's not, it's different. They just look different. They look like 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 rugs or like not rugs but uh like Cooper like Amari Cooper coming out of Alabama he had his differences in terms of how his wiggle was yeah. Julio was an absolute anomaly I don't even think I, I the size even speed him. yeah the that, size that's, speed that's, combo. that's that's different like that's that, just that's otherworldly diff- that's, yeah. shit yeah I yeah. don't have to sit here and sell you on Julio but then like like Judy when he runs routes it looks like he doesn't have ACLs. It's just like like he's yeah. his knees just they don't they bend differently than everybody else. Devonte is just so st- stick looking that he looks like a, like this this arrangement of toothpicks that still has like strength and balance and and it's all like, in the hips with him and Judy. Like when you watch it, like it's how they turn their hips, in my opinion, yeah. not necessarily the knees. It's yeah. how they turn. Like their shoulders will be going one way, but the hips are the other way. And then as soon as like because they fake people with their upper body is what you notice. And, but like, mm-hmm. it's just like, Oh, step here, but my shoulders are going this way. Yeah. So I get you to bite on where you think my double moves going, but really it was just like another feint, you know, like I'm exactly. going over here and then I, Oh, boom, I'm gone this way. And then sometimes they hit you with a triple move. And because they mm-hmm. have so much speed, they're able to do that. And it's just like, Oh my God. Like, but it's like, it's seizure. just like, like just, it's like, I remember watching this one route with Devonte with Devontae Smith, where he, like, got an inside release on a guy, and the corner was, like, stacking his hip and trying to push him. And he didn't even care. Like, he knew it. Like, he was like, this dude's on my hip, and then I'm gonna 
stem him outside. And then I'm going to like, like the things that big receivers do receivers, 50 pounds heavier than him. The prospects like Justin Blackman, the prospects like Des Bryant, that they just like, they play that bully ball. You know what I mean? But he, he wasn't playing that bully ball. He was still strong, but then like snapping people and getting it off with the quickness. That's why, like, like when you're talking about Jamar, Jamar is the bully ball guy, but Jamar was the bully ball guy in college at 190. Where the Justin Blackmans and the and the and the Des Bryant's were bully ball at like two twenty, yeah. Where Devonte is, yeah, he's one seventy, and he has elements of strength that you see, but it's like, how would I put it? How would I phrase it? It's like, it's like it's like they they're sitting there fact checking Shakira. Yeah, my hips <laughs> do lie. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> like so, so there's only one prospect that came out this year that I think can truly play bully ball. And has Terrence a way Marshall. to do it. No, actually, I was going to go Kyle Pitts because he is a wide receiver, not a tight end, in my opinion. He does mm-hmm. not move like a tight end. He moves like a wide receiver. And I've said this over and over, and even from the first time I watched his tape and everything like that, and I know it's become a more uh, common opinion now, but he's reminded me of Megatron. He reminds like, me of Darren Waller. God, so I, I haven't ever really watched Darren Waller tape, and I, I feel bad for this. But I was watching some of his tape the other day and just the way his hands move, you know, fighting the corner as he's coming off the line and just the way he moves as a route route runner, not not root runner, route runner. See, there you go. I corrected this time. <laughs> nice. uh, uh, just blew me away. And I was just like, wow, Jesus Christ. But yeah. So my yeah. thing is, is Kyle Pitts. I feel like he's that guy that's going to be a red zone monster. He is. Yeah, he is. Well, man, shoot, we got we could clearly keep going on and on and on. I I, I do want to touch on tight ends real quick. No, who uh, you got? Let's ben do Chevin your tight Ingram. ends, and then we'll get out of here. Ben Chevin Ingram, if he plays, uh, I just want to stay with the Giants in general. Uh, start Dallas Dallas Goddard. Start Logan Thomas. Start Kyle Pitts. Okay, got it right there. Yeah. Chase, it is always perfecto to have you on you, the, the numbers that you come with the data to back up your opinions like uh, i i love it to death and it's always great when we can get you on for a whole show like this for for all of the dearth of information that you have bro thank you so much for being on and uh yeah i just i just can't wait for the season to start and i can't wait to have you on more times for us to talk about it i can't wait either i will say i'm a little disappointed you usually blow me away with one crazy stat that, like, I just comes out of nowhere. I'm just like, oh my god, like, yeah. But no, uh, no, yeah. It's it's. The, I mean, it's the week one preview. You know, there's a lot we don't know yet. But all all uh, trust me, we got we got not only 16 weeks, but 17 for me to do that. So uh, stay tuned. Let's go, man. It shall happen. Happy week one, brother. Love you. Let's keep it going. <laughs> That's our show. Be sure to email us with your questions, comments, and statements to coverzeropodcast at gmail.com. To find all of the links to follow us on social media, and also to find more exclusive content, visit us at tssaw.com. See you next week.